0: Close. Impactor.
1: Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex.
0: And I'm Anthony. And my first story is food news. This is from CNN. McDonald's is selling chicken hoodies for $5. What? <laughs>
1: Wait. Uh, now, what wh- do you think whoa, chicken wh- hoodie means? It's $5 and it's a chicken hoodie? I Well, I think it's a hoodie that has pictures of chicken on it. Yeah, that's right. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay.
0: I wasn't it's, sure because it could not, also be a hoodie made out of chicken or a hoodie for a chicken. Or yeah, a or, made, it's like a chicken or a hoodie nugget made out of chicken like for a, a chicken, which would be horrible.
1: Whoa, that, that would be very dark. Very dark. Yeah.
0: But no, you were right. It's a it's a hoodie with chicken on it. Um, <laughs> At this point, there's nothing particularly special about a fast food chain announcing a new fried chicken sandwich. So McDonald's is hoping to differentiate the upcoming launch of theirs with a limited edition collection of clothing and music. McDonald's sold a limited number of $5 swag packages via a special website on Thursday. The swag includes a hoodie, a custom song, and a first taste of its crispy chicken sandwich.
1: I want to know more about the custom song. Oh, I
0: will, I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Okay. I really wish they'd have the lyrics or something. I don't. I don't know the contents of the song. Okay. Um, the hoodie has a black and white picture of McDonald's new crispy chicken sandwich with the slogan "Crispy Juicy Tender." <laughs> That's all one word, all lowercase. Oh, crispy juicy tender. It's okay. a weird shirt. <laughs> It's a weird thing to wear on your body. It's also not a very flattering picture of the sandwich either, so I don't know know why you would want this. Um, The gift box also includes a vinyl recording of a song about the sandwich (laughs) (laughs) from music producer Tay Keith. I don't know who that is. Um, As well as a gift card recipients can use to redeem for the sandwich one day prior to its official release at restaurants.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) It's a vinyl recording of a song about a sandwich. I'm desperate to know what (laughs) the lyrics are. I want to know the song. Oh,
1: yeah. That's too bad they didn't. Post it there. Well, yeah. maybe they, they don't want to publicize it because they, they want you to they buy want,
0: it. They want to make it exclusive. I don't know why they're only selling it for $5, though. It seems like they're definitely selling at a loss. Anyway, hmm. um, fast food chains regularly sell more than food, like clothing and experiences, to create buzz. Uh, there's a couple of examples, I think, all but one of which we've talked about on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Chipotle started selling clothing dyed with the food chain's used avocado pits last summer. Wait, I don't think we've talked, we talked about that. Um huh. Taco Bell created a hotel in Palm Springs in twenty nineteen. We, we definitely talked, talked about that. I think twice. <laughs> um, and KFC often releases weird items <laughs> like nail polish and a chicken scented fire log. Yep. I don't did we talk about the nail polish? No. Yeah, but we talked about the We talked
1: about the fire log and we've talked about their game twice. console.
0: <laughs> yeah, we talked about their game console yeah. and their short like movie that they made. Did we talk about that on here?
1: The movie, I'm not sure.
0: The one starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders.
1: Oh, wait, maybe. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I I don't don't remember
0: if we talked about it or if it was just in so many different places like that I just yeah by osmosis assumed. (laughs) Anyway, um, McDonald's new chicken sandwiches go on sale next Wednesday in the United States. So that's coming up soon. All right. They've got three different sandwiches. Um, I think one of them is spicy, one of them is like a regular one, and then one of them has... Like is their deluxe one, which just has like lettuce, tomato. I
1: don't get how these are going to be different than their other chicken sandwiches that they've had. Yeah, I don't either. Those are so fried like, too, right? Yeah, I, it's like a crispy chicken sandwich. Yeah, They're, they just they do like to relaunch their chicken sandwiches every like few mm. years, though. I have that. Maybe if we
0: maybe if we heard the song, we would understand what's so special about yeah. this chicken sandwich. <laughs> I really want to know—is it like a ballad <laughs> <laughs> or like a performative like? Like a contemporary dance, but in song form about the sandwich. I don't know.
1: I, I'm very curious as well. I hope um, it's a ballad. Me too. That would just That a, would be A
0: ballad of devotion. To a the ballad sandwich. of devotion. I just
1: wanted to say really quickly, speaking of McDonald's, guess what I had this week?
0: I know what you're going to say and I'm so jealous.
1: I had a Shamrock shake. Ugh. The Oreo one. How was it was it? really good. Uh. And I like the Oreo one better than the regular. It adds a nice element of chocolate.
0: The only reason I haven't ordered one to be delivered to my house is because it's been snowing a lot here lately mm. and I haven't bothered clearing yeah. my driveway <laughs> and I feel bad making a delivery person like <laughs> Try to trudge through the snow. That's
1: fair. Well, they'll be around for a while. Maybe that should
0: be my motivation to clear the driveway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you can get food delivered. Exactly. And
1: specifically a shamrock shake.
0: Specifically that. That's all I want from now until they're no longer in stock.
1: Okay. My first story is world news. This is from CNET.com. And the headline is, Scotland names its snowplows, and their titles for 2021 are still amazing.
0: Sorry. Did you know
1: that Scotland, the country of Scotland, <laughs> names all their snowplows? I,
0: nope, I did not. And they,
1: I didn't know this either. Apparently it was going viral last year, though. But it's, uh, yeah, they do that. And not only that, but they have this like live tracker website where you can see where all the snowplows are at at any given time. Okay, just for fun. Yeah. Like,
0: I guess that would be useful, too, to, like, know if they're about to come to your Yeah, area. if there's
1: one near you, yeah. So, um, apparently Scotland names its snowplows. Uh, most of the names are puns.
0: Okay. We'll see how um, I feel about this.
1: And I, <laughs> I love it. Uh, apparently, uh, in December, social media began picking up on this again um, as they released their snowplow fleet. And a map of the current active plows began pushing into viral status. This week, social media again took note when revamped names started appearing on the national map of snow plows. Uh, This article says the pun game is still very strong. The BBC reports that the practice of naming the plows goes back to 2006 when the Scottish Transport Ministry encouraged schoolchildren to come up with funny monikers for them. Uh, And it, it launched its online tracker website in 2016. So here are some of the names this year. Okay. Uh, yeah. Worth noting is that they call their snowplows over there gritters. That's like they're like the Scottish name for a snowplow.
0: Sure. A gritter. Yeah, why not?
1: Well, <laughs> that, that, you need to know that because some of the puns are like have, have grid, that grid related. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sled Zeppelin. Okay. Spready Van Halen. <laughs>
0: All right i'm saying a theme here
1: buzz ice clear all right sir grits a lot mm. gritalica mm. sweet child o'brien
0: what that doesn't even make any sense
1: brine like salt water brine. but it's
0: not really i mean i guess it's salting it's eh, a whatever. salt it's
1: salt it's a salt related show i'll allow it license to chill eh. For your ice only,
0: okay, that one's pretty good.
1: <laughs> blizzard of Oz, okay, Lord Coldemort.
0: <laughs>
1: and then finally, my personal favorite, you're a blizzard, Harry <laughs> is the name of a snowplow, which I just think is that's, amazing. That's
0: probably also my favorite.
1: um, yeah, so that <laughs> was that was not even the full list. That was just the ones that I picked out that I oh, liked. Wow. so <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that was probably like, I don't know, a quarter of them or something. So and they
0: all have names.
1: It seemed like they all had, or most of them did. Like there were we get, some unnamed ones on the why website. Why don't
0: we get to name our snowplows here? I don't know. I would love to. Why the, It'd be fun. Why do the Scots get to have all the fun?
1: Yeah, because they all, they have Bodie McBoatface up there too.
0: Oh, is that also them? I think so. Yeah.
1: They have fun over there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> why can't we have fun here? <laughs> All right, my next story is Dinosaur News. This is from CNET. Harvard scientists have a new take on what wiped out the dinosaurs. Oh. I mean, I guess the uh, headline's kind of misleading, honestly. It's not that it's a new theory for like how they died. It's a new theory for how the like astrological body that killed them. Got here. Oh, but okay. They still think it was an impact of some sort that mm. ultimately caused gotcha. their destruction. Um, so, and I, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Avi, I think Avi Loeb, um, a Harvard astronomer.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, a Harvard astronomer now has a new theory about the space rock that took out the dinosaurs. Specifically, that it came from further away than previously assumed. Um, and they also pointed out in this article in a very like matter of fact way. Uh, that this particular person generated controversy a few years ago by arguing that an interstellar object called Oumuamua, which I think we've actually talked about on the podcast before. Yeah, that before, sounds familiar. Um, he argued that it could be a wayward piece of alien technology. What? And so there's some controversy around this person. So,
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I guess take this entire thing with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, but, uh, all right. So, Loeb and Harvard University astrophysicist. Uh, undergraduate student Amir Siraj suggests in a new study published Monday in Scientific Reports that the Chicxulub impactor, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing the first word right there, uh, originated from the edge of our own solar system. Um, A popular theory currently says that the impactor likely originated from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Um, So basically they're saying that it came from like the edge of our solar system as opposed to in the middle of it. Hmm. Um, but Loeb and Siraj used statistical analysis and gravitational simulations to calculate that more Earth impactors actually originated from the far-off Oort cloud where most long-period comets hail from. So it's like this big cloud of like, space debris, essentially, that floats out at the edge of the solar system. Uh, the pair's calculations suggest some such comets can get knocked comets not comets, can get knocked off track on their journey toward the inner solar system with potentially catastrophic consequences. As Siraj Mm -hmm. explained in a statement, the solar system acts as a kind of pinball machine. Jupiter, the most massive planet, kicks incoming long-period comets into orbits that bring them very close to the sun. Uh, These so-called sun grazer comets can then be torn apart by the pull of the sun's gravity. And on their journey back, like, out into deep space, there's an enhanced probability that one of these fragments hit the Earth. So that's kind of what they're um, theorizing, is that something came in from this cloud of debris on the outer edge of the solar system. Jupiter basically flung it towards the sun. It's, like, orbited the sun for a while, like, being torn apart by the sun's massive gravity. And, like, one of those shards, like, came away and is what they're theorizing hit the Earth. Hmm. Um, okay. The research finds that the odds of such an impact are significantly higher than previously thought, and that the new rate of impact lines up with the age of the impact crater in the Gulf of Mexico. A comet fragment from the Oort cloud also matches up with the unusual makeup of the impactor better than an asteroid from closer to home. Hmm. So, they, it seems like some pretty solid evidence yeah. that this is a this is a pretty good theory. Especially, I think, especially that last thing. Yeah. Where it kind of matches the um the makeup of something from that from that Oort cloud. Mm-hmm. Um even more important than solving the mystery of what killed off the dinosaurs, Loeb says a deeper understanding of natural traffic from deep space could be important if a potential impactor should threaten our planet in the future. And I thought this was quite a quote from Loeb. It must have been an amazing sight, but we don't want that to happen again.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, yes. So um, I think you kind of said this, but is the is the reason that this is significant because the chances of that happening is like higher than, like the chances of it happening again is it's more likely somehow if that is where the it yeah came that from? wasn't
0: explicitly clear, but um, I mean I, I think the idea is that this does happen, like. With and and has happened with some mm. regular like regularity in history, okay. so they're saying that it's actually a more likely explanation than something just like coming from between Mars and Jupiter. Gotcha. Um, huh. So I thought that was okay. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but again, the person also thought that some <laughs> interstellar object was a wayward piece of alien technology. So maybe don't don't buy stocks in this theory if that's how okay. stocks work, which is it's not. So.
1: <laughs> I don't think it is, but I get I get your meaning. <laughs> I got it, I got it. Good, good. My next story is technology news. This is from Reuters, and the headline is Printed in Days: A House, New York Firm Takes 3D Printing to the Next Level.
0: We're printing houses now. Yeah. All right.
1: We're going to print everything. (laughs) So most homes are built block by block or brick by brick, but a demo house in Calverton, New York was constructed scan by scan. That's not really how 3D printing works, but okay. (laughs) It's walls were made using a giant three-dimensional printer. The demo house was built by construction firm SQ4D to show the public. Catchy. I I know. It's like that doesn't really roll off the tongue. Oh, well. Uh, to show the public and industry what was possible. Now, the company is actually putting one of these up for sale, a still-to-be-built house in the nearby town of Riverhead. Again, this is in New York. With a detached garage, the house will cover about a, a 1,400 square feet. The footing's foundation and slab, along with the walls, will be entirely made with a 3D printer. Okay. Uh, Kirk Anderson, the director of operations for SQ4D, and his colleagues had to design and build their own um, concrete printer to do this, they, which I think was kind of a given. that They had to like, design a 3D printer
0: to do this. That prints concrete. <laughs> that, yeah,
1: that prints concrete. Uh, Anderson said the actual printing time for the walls took only 48 hours. Uh, and par- It was part of an overall eight-day process to build the entire home. So it only took eight days to build the whole house, which I think is like pretty amazing. That's Actually.
0: very fast.
1: <laughs> uh, this is significantly faster and around 30% cheaper overall than a home built using standard construction methods, he said, where laborers need to tow in and stack blocks manually and you know, just labor and more it's more time intensive and more mm-hmm. difficult. So yeah, so one house has been built, it was successful, and now they put one up on the market, another 3D print house. All right. And That's, this could be exciting. the future of foundation construction at least.
0: How do they like handle wiring and like insulation and stuff like that you that you can't like print, but that has to be inside of walls?
1: Well, they probably it didn't it didn't have the answer to that in this, but I'm just gonna guess uh-huh. that the walls when they say that they're building the walls, it's probably like a framing, not like a solid concrete. Like the the if they're making like a basement or something, that probably is solid. But like, uh. I don't know. Wait, how do you normally do that in like a basement? Don't you have to do you put the concrete and then you can like put like a framing like in front of it, like a dry, like drywall and stuff in front of it, like with a frame yeah, and you can it, wire I mean, stuff and then put drywall.
0: Probably. Where I'm, there's like concrete like in my behind? basement, I just have concrete. Like it's just the concrete and the all the wiring is external. So okay, that's not really anything there but for like the upstairs i guess is where i was i was thinking
1: yeah about. that wasn't explained i'm assuming it's just it's not like a solid concrete wall it's like a yeah like some type of like frame yeah that they print out makes sense that you can then build around further <laughs>
0: yeah i'm just wondering if in the future we're going to be able to like print those parts too somehow but probably not <laughs> i don't
1: know i mean I'm sure that scientists could figure out how to, like, 3D print something that acts like wood, Mm -hmm. even though it's not actually wood. Mm. If they can make fake meat, if they can make lab-grown meat, they can 3D print wood.
0: I'm sure. I think it's
1: equally as weird-sounding. So, (laughs) with no (laughs) scientific basis to that statement, (laughs) just because it's a similar weirdness, I'm going to go with it that one day maybe they could do
0: it. Yeah, I'm just thinking you could definitely print particle board. I just don't know about, like something with like the actual same like structural integrity yeah a piece of wood but i don't know
1: i don't know but it might become a whole new area of research yeah come on science figure it out come on science let's go
0: (laughs) speed it up i want a house
1: (laughs) i want a house
0: (laughs) (laughs) my next story is animal news (laughs) This is from the Huffington Post. Life forms that, quote, shouldn't be there, found by scientists under Antarctic ice. Uh,
1: oh, oops.
0: <laughs> oops, there's stuff there. Oops. Um, oops was it oops, a oops, dragon made another, that's going to yes. take over the
1: whole world now?
0: Yes, hopefully.
1: <laughs> Have uh, you seen the movie, um, oh, my God, what was it even called? I, there's some movie where, like,
0: there some was people an Antarctic dig, drag. and then there's...
1: No, it wasn't even in an Antarctica. It was just somewhere and like a dragon came out of the ground and then there were just dragons in the world. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you didn't see that one? Okay. Okay, never mind then.
0: <laughs> uh, so it wasn't a dragon. Um but they did discover sponges. <laughs> oh, <laughs> slightly less exciting than a dragon. Okay. Um along with what appear to be barnacles living under Antarctic ice that theoretically shouldn't exist. Huh. Once again, once again, humans like assuming something about animals that tr- that turns out to be wrong. Yeah. Um they were discovered after scientists with the British Antarctic Survey drilled beneath a section of the Filchner Ron Ice Shelf. Which is more than 2,950 feet thick in northwestern Antarctica. The team lowered a camera into the ice shelf hole to see what lay beneath it and filmed the organisms clinging to a boulder, the first time that such life forms have been recorded beneath Antarctica's ice sheets. Um, so, if you, there's, there's actually, they show the video or the videos in this article. Um, and you kind of, it's actually the first like 15 minutes of them is just, it's just them like dropping a camera into the hole and like it hits the bottom of the. It's very clumsy for a second. Oh. It's just like thud, it just like <laughs> hits, hits a boulder and then hits the bottom of the ocean. But then they pull it back up and you can see like these things clinging to this boulder. According to the team's findings published Monday in the journal Frontiers in Marine Science, the sponges. <laughs> The sponges and suspected barnacles appear to be filter feeders, which feed by pulling out phytoplankton and other microscopic organisms from water. Cool. Uh, Hugh Griffiths, one of the authors of the study who analyzed the footage from the expedition, told New Scientist magazine that there's all sorts of reasons they shouldn't be there. <laughs> and said that the nearest source of sunlight needed by phytoplankton to survive was about 370 miles away. Um, so so they, I
1: guess they don't need sunlight.
0: Right. Which is... But like the phytoplankton that is what they assume they eat. So there's got to be some kind of like non-phytoplankton or some kind of food that they're filter feeding on, which means there's even more organisms down there. So I don't know. Oh. It's it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, okay. And at first yes, I was like 370
0: miles away seems crazy. But I, I guess that must mean like this is like under the ice and like the closest part of the ocean that's exposed to the sunlight would be 370 miles away.
1: Yeah, that's probably yeah. what they
0: meant. I was just confused because they said the ice was like 200 or 2,950 feet thick, and I was like, "That's not 370 miles."
1: Away. Yeah, yeah, they need to get out from the icy right. area. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, (laughs) Griffiths also said, it's a place where essentially we didn't expect this kind of community to live at all. This is showing us that life is more resilient and more robust than we ever could have expected if it can put up with these conditions. So, yeah, there's some barnacles hanging out underneath Antarctica that we didn't expect to be there.
1: Hmm. Well, I can just say I'm not even surprised. There's life all over this planet. Right, it's there, it's in the coldest parts of the world, it's in the hottest parts mm-hmm. of the world. I mean... I, Maybe it, not, like, the core of the Earth, but,
0: like... <laughs> right, but it's, like, also so presumptuous of us, too, to be like, we've never seen this part of the ocean, like, there probably isn't life, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I guess theories it's, told them that they couldn't exist there, but, like...
1: Well, wait, I, I guess it's fair, like... are proven
0: wrong all the time.
1: Right. We didn't have any evidence that there was life mm-hmm. there, but we didn't have evidence that there wasn't either probably so now we have evidence
0: yep and now we can tell it that like hey you don't have to live here it's freezing cold and dark all the time there's like hot water or like warmer water and like sun and stuff just have to tell these sponges who i'm sure will be very receptive
1: we can show them a new world
0: exactly (laughs) shining shimmering splendid
1: yeah my next story is space news This is from interestingengineering.com. The headline is: Blue-green algae could help astronauts survive on Mars. D- Delicious. Del-
0: Del- <laughs> oh, are we using it as food or no? <laughs>
1: um, no, actually, it's oh. more of like an oxygen-producing thing. Never but, mind. But that wasn't a, that was a normal assumption from that headline.
0: Maybe it is delicious. You don't know. Yeah,
1: we. Don't, I don't know. It, it might taste good. So scientists are running experiments to get the red planet as hospitable as possible for human settlement, apparently, according to this okay. article. A new study from the University of Bremen in Germany, published in Frontiers of Microbiology, <laughs> has shown for the first time that anabena cyanobacteria, a.k.a. blue-green algae, can be successfully grown in March, Martian, atmospheric, <laughs> Martian atmospheric conditions. All right. Astronauts on Mars will need oxygen, water, food, and other consumables. So this is a significant development since it makes it much easier to develop sustainable biological life support systems. I will kind of explain why. So okay. It is believed that cyanobacteria... That a cyanobacteria boom that took place 2.4 billion years ago was large, largely responsible for Earth's breathable atmosphere. Oh. The presence of cyanobacteria gave the atmosphere its oxygen. For this reason, scientists were also considering if and how we could harness cyanobacteria's ability to make oxygen in order to live on Mars and possibly other planets. So they just view it as like a, like a stabilize, like a, the first element of being, being able to create some type of like biome with other things like plants and people and whatnot. Um, However, Mars's atmospheric pressure always presented itself as a setback. So in this experiment, the researchers developed a special bioreactor with an atmospheric pressure of around 10% that of earth and only using ingredients that can be already found on Mars. The bioreactor included water, which can be collected from uh, frozen ice on Mars. The researchers were able to grow cyanobacteria in this bioreactor successfully, which, um, yeah, just is a step towards more advanced systems for maintaining life on other planets um, and potentially making long-term missions to Mars sustainable. Hmm. So, yeah, they filled it with, like, Mars Earth dust stuff and water. And,
0: Mars and, dust.
1: And put the—I yeah, don't know why I called it Mars Earth dust. It <laughs> make sense. Yes, like, Mars— Dust and material, chemicals and stuff, and and yeah. water, and then made the pressure like that atmosphere, and then saw if these bacteria could proliferate, and they did. All right. So
0: gonna make us some cool. air. Well, yeah, not air, but oxygen. You know what I mean? Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I, they, I mean, they didn't go into a ton of detail, but I would assume it would be like okay, like if they, if you had like a biodome or something, you would want to like have a bunch of this stuff like in there right and then you could have plants you'd have like things. a lovely
0: fountain in the middle with a bunch of cyanobacteria in it and then
1: the like fountain a, a, would be beautiful spewing garden bacteria. around
0: it yeah it's spewing <laughs> yeah. bacteria which is a phrase everyone wants to hear <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it also tastes good so maybe maybe could, it is delicious you know eat it too we don't know we don't know
0: don't eat too much of it though because you need the oxygen part also
1: right as long as you still have some to make oxygen then you're fine yes All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly.
0: Three, me, pramping. Ready, set, go! Go. I found this on UPI. Website offers $2,000 for Dream Job, five nights of sleeping.
1: This sounds amazing. You know,
0: you know how we love to help you find weird jobs. Yeah. Um, so this is a health advice website that's offering $2,000 to uh, sleep for five nights in different locations, <laughs> including a five-star resort is one of them.
1: This sounds great. This sounds
0: awesome. It's What's a, the catch? A, I, I don't know if there is one. Hmm. Um, the website is called Sleep Standards. Uh, which is dedicated to dispensing sleep help advice and reviews of sleep aid products. Hmm. And it says they're seeking a candidate to learn more about the influence of environmental factors on the quality of sleep. Uh, Like I said, you'll be sleeping five nights in different environments, including one night in a five-star luxury resort. Um, And all expenses will be paid by the website and the chosen candidate will receive $2,000 for their snoozing services, which is an insane amount to be reimbursed for just five nights of work. Um, yeah. And then uh, you'll be uh, asked to rate each location on a scale of one to 10, as well as write a detailed report of each sleeping experience. So there, I guess it's a little bit of work, but also not that that's much. That's
1: not that much for, for, for two that grand price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that seems like a good deal.
0: Um, and they said also in each of the environments they will carefully adjust several environmental factors that they think might improve your sleep quality. So, like, the goal is also that each of these nights you'll sleep the best you ever <laughs> So, yeah.
1: This does sound like a dream job.
0: Um, but, they're, yeah, their applications are being accepted on the website through March 30th. I don't really know what your qualifications yeah, look, are to be.
1: I wonder if they're trying to find people that sleeper. that normally have trouble sleeping or do they want people that don't have trouble sleeping?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. All right, so this is what it says about like actually applying. You need a headshot and a link to a 60-second introduction video where you are talking about your passion for the position we're posting. <laughs> As well as links to your social media profiles, and it looks like that's okay. So, all right. If you can can come up with sixty seconds worth of good reasons for you to be a professional sleeper, (laughs) Uh, yeah, this sounds pretty great. Sounds like a pretty good deal. (laughs) I'm going to look that up later. It sounds sounds pretty good. Yeah, like I said they're accepting applications through the through March 30th so you've got time after this after this uh, episode.
1: Okay, this is from uh, usa The headline is Perseverance rover successfully lands on Mars, a key step in NASA's search for signs of life.
0: Yay! Yay! Lots but, of Mars talk this episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the Perseverance rover successfully landed on Mars um, after a 300 million mile journey. And um, it uh, touched down at 3.55 p.m. Eastern today. Uh, da, 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 da. What else? I don't know. That's pretty much it. Um,
0: oh. Yeah, I guess if it just got there, there's probably not a lot to share.
1: So yeah. It, the, the article talks a little bit about what its like, its mission is, what it's going to be doing. But it's just kind of, I think, similar to the past missions where it's <laughs> collecting data. Like, of various hey, what's types. Mars all about? Yep. So that'll be exciting
0: to All right, perseverance. Continue, get
1: to get images or yeah, images and whatever else it's sending back to us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. information.
0: I mean with our history of covering Martian rovers, I imagine this isn't the last we're gonna hear about perseverance yeah. in here.
1: All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
0: You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News, on Twitter at at Nack News, and on Instagram at Nack News. Alright, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.